words that we speak to our children affect the atmosphere of either encouraging them or discouraging them in learning. Oftentimes it's kind of really subtle. Until I read her teaching on atmosphere, I never even thought about it. I was like, wait, that's a tool I actually have for learning. And that totally changed my thinking because it was like, how I'm showing up every day is affecting my children way more than what MacBook I use. Welcome to the Christy Face Show, where we share game-changing ideas with intentional parents like you. I'm your host, Christy Faith, experienced educational advisor and homeschool enthusiast. Together, we'll explore ways to enrich and transform both your life and the lives of your children. I am thrilled to have Julie Ross on as our guest today. If you don't know her, you should. She believes that every child needs a feast of living ideas to grow intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Julie was a former public school teacher, curriculum coordinator, assistant director of a homeschool academy, and has homeschooled her own five kids for over 20 years. She also developed the amazing curriculum, A Gentle Feast, that provides parents with tools and resources needed to provide a rich and abundant Charlotte Mason education to their families at home. Thank you so much for being here today, Julie. I'm going to start with a really, the question I really want to ask you today. Ooh. I want to hear, because you've been homeschooling over, and I did not send this to you early because I have some surprise questions. Okay. The first question I want to ask you, because we're going to go there, is I want to hear your number one biggest homeschooling regret. That's really good. That I didn't trust myself early on. I, even though I had been a school teacher, even though I had all this experience, even though I've helped other parents, I was always second guessing myself and mm. fearing that I was going to mess up my kids and I was going to ruin this whole thing. And as I've grown older, and I think that's part of it, you have to learn some of this through experience to have mm -hmm. the confidence to believe in myself and trust that I'm getting the answers, trust my own judgment, intuition, whatever you want to call it, divine leading to go, I know what's best for my kids. I know what I'm doing. And to make decisions from a place of confidence rather than always trying to find some other expert to tell me what to do. I think that's powerful. I think every mom struggles with that. Why do you think in our society, homeschooling is that one piece where all of a sudden when our kids turn five, we're not qualified anymore? Why do you think that is? <laughs> um, I don't know if this is, you know, I have no data to back this up. This is just Julie's personal opinion here. But honestly, I think it's a lot of companies trying to sell us stuff. So, mm -hmm. and I, it, it's funny that I'm saying this because I run a homeschool company where I provide resources and tools for parents, but my <laughs> goal of creating my curriculum was to be where it was a tool and a resource to empower parents to use it as they see fit as a tool and not a box to put them in. And so, but I think because it has become like when I first started girl, there were like, there was like some Yahoo group that I was a part of where I could get like homeschool ideas. Right. And I've watched it just kind of expand and grow. And so a lot of these companies, a lot of their marketing is like fear-based of, you don't know what you're doing. You can't do this, but we have the solution for a hundred blah, 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 blah that you can buy. And it's like, oh, you're right. I don't know what I'm doing. And so it's, it, and I've seen that change because when I first started, it was like, you're homeschooling. Like, is that legal? That's weird. What is that? To 
now we all know what it is, but it's still so foreign. It's like, well, you couldn't possibly know what you're doing. So here, let me help you. I have this product for you. So I could be wrong, but that's just been my observation. Well, and I think that's fabulous. And you know what? Don't be ashamed of that because that's why I love you and I've enjoyed getting to know you is you are offering something amazing. I use it myself in my homeschool. I absolutely love your morning time. But one thing I love about it is exactly what you said. I don't do every single piece every single day, but it's there for me and you've done it for me, which I appreciate. <laughs> I don't have to spend 10 hours Googling to try right. to find the next composer to study. You've already done that work for me, but I can pick and choose. I definitely think you are helping mothers be the heroes in their homeschool, mm, really. Yeah. And you're not telling us what to do. And I want to talk a little bit about, because there are listeners here, even though Charlotte Mason homeschooling has been around a long time and Charlotte Mason was in the 1800s. So yes. she wrote her volumes. They are long. I must admit, I know a lot about Charlotte Mason, but I have not personally read every single word of her volumes. I bet you have. I have. <laughs> yeah, of course you have. But I want to hear from you, just in your own words, what is a Charlotte Mason education and why do you think it is so appealing to homeschoolers today? Home provides such a special environment for children to learn about all of life. Mm -hmm. And so she was training governesses to go into people's homes and then it started spreading throughout the British Empire and a lot of moms who were overseas didn't have governesses. So they're writing to her, can we get your book lists? Can you help us? And so she started teaching moms to teach their own children. Now, as schools saw the success of these students who were being trained by governesses and then eventually going to uh, higher level schools, especially the boys, they started seeing like these amazing results. And so schools started growing up in England based on her philosophy. So that's why she's popular with homeschoolers, I feel like, because it really is valuing. Her first volume is called Home Education for a reason. The way I explain it in kind of simple terms is that Charlotte Mason had such a high view of children. And she said mm -hmm. that children need to be fed on a steady diet of ideas. Those ideas can come from books, music, art, being out in nature, and that that is the only thing they can actually process and that their minds need those to grow and expand. We try to stuff them with information instead. And mm -hmm. she says that's what actually like kills the curiosity and love for learning out of a child. Mm -hmm. She also mm -hmm. said that the only education is self-education and that we as mm -hmm. teachers, our role is to provide all these living ideas and all these resources, but only a student can come to these and claim them mm -hmm. for themselves. And so they do that through a process of what she called narration, which is really easy. It's just telling back what you've learned, yes. but it yes. allows the student to synthesize it and make it their own. So from a very young age, they are self-starters, they're lifelong learners, they're learning that I know how to learn and take in information, which makes it so, to me, revolutionary from a lot of the educational models that are out there. Fantastic. And she talks a lot about in her volumes, education being an atmosphere. And I find this idea mm -hmm. so abstract and hard <laughs> to explain. Have yes. Do you have the secret sauce of saying, how is this practical? <laughs> What do you mean educate? Yeah, an atmosphere. What does that mean exactly? And I mm -hmm. I love how you distill the Charlotte Mason abstract ideas into a practical way. So what does mm -hmm. that mean? Well, I kind of, you know, atmosphere, air, right? So think about like your thermostat on your house, right? And how that, you know, can make it really hot and uncomfortable or like, okay, this is, we're setting the thermostat correctly. I believe us as moms, we're setting that thermostat. 
the atmosphere is what we're creating. Sometimes it's based on our emotions. Unfortunately, our moods can really affect the atmosphere. The yes. words that we speak to our children affect the atmosphere of either encouraging them or discouraging them in learning. Oftentimes it's kind of really subtle. Like you don't even, until I read her teaching on atmosphere, I never even thought about it. I was like, right. wait, that's a tool I actually have for learning. And that totally changed my thinking because it was mm. like, how I'm showing up every day is affecting my children way more than what math book I use. Or if I'm using, combining mm. my two kids for geography, like people ask me these kind of questions all the time and those are so important, but it's what I'm creating through the words I'm saying, mm -hmm. through the things mm -hmm. that we're doing in our home that is going to have a lasting effect. She says, there's nothing as important that's going to have a lasting effect on your children as the atmosphere of home. Mm -hmm. And so, and we all know that, and maybe that's like some of your experiences growing up, right? You go into like someone's house. I had a friend down the street and her parents and her dad yelled so much all the time. And I was like scared to go in there because as soon as you walk in the door, you could feel like that tension. And then you go into other people's houses and it looks like a museum and it's like, don't touch this, don't do that. You know, children yeah. are better seen and not heard, you know? And then, you know, you go into other people's houses and they're really fun and vibrant and they're loud because everybody's talking and sharing ideas. And like, you know, our people are really studious and their houses are like have classical music and everyone's reading. Like mm -hmm. your home environment, your atmosphere is gonna be different than someone else's. So don't try to make it based on what you see on Instagram or someone else's home environment. Right. Really think about, who you are as a person and how you want that to show up in the atmosphere of your home. Cause your children are going to live in it. They're going to breathe it in. So you might as well be intentional about creating what you want instead of non-intentional. You're going to create an atmosphere no matter what. So it might as well be a positive one. Yes. And I tell parents all the time, your kids are being raised, whether you're doing it or not, whether you're letting a TV do it, video games, do it, a grandparent, a nanny, your kids are being raised. And I think that's such a powerful message about atmosphere and that we need to be intentional about the environment that we have for our families. But don't you think that this is permission to dream? Like Absolutely. to dream up yes. it's very what exciting. we want. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. exciting. And it can be little tiny things like starting your morning time with classical music. Even if you don't know anything about classical music, I had a time where I was doing that and Right. We light a candle and yeah, my kids fight over who's going to light the candle, which drives me crazy. Oh, that's not but... just at my house. Okay. That's good to know. Who's going to blow out the candle? That's even yeah. more of a fight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to blow out the candle? Exactly. And then the little fingers can't click it. So then there's tears because you can't click the lighter. Yeah. But no, I think that's so great. And I, I truly believe that there is a, an epidemic in our country of parents thinking that life happens to them rather than deciding and designing the life that you want. But I'd like to transfer that to childhoods. We can yes. design our kids' childhoods. And yeah, it's not going to be easy. And it requires working on ourselves yep. and being the best <laughs> teachers and mamas that we can be. But that is such a powerful message. And Charlotte Mason said it first and yeah. she used the word <laughs> atmosphere to describe it. I want to ask you, because I think this is something that you've really nailed with your curriculum, is teaching multiple ages. It's one of the primary questions I get on my lives and social media, because we have this mindset in society that there are different grade levels and you teach different things for different yeah. grade levels. And how do I even manage that all day when moms aren't homeschooling? That's what they're envisioning themselves doing, is juggling in front of a, a whiteboard. What is the key that you have five kids 
What is the key to managing the multiple ages to making sure and making sure that your older ones who maybe are closer to leaving the nest and maybe are college bound, them still getting what they need and why you might even have a a young one if you have a lot of kids who's still learning to read. Mm -hmm. How do you manage all of that? Well, several things. So Charlotte Mason used forms instead of grades. So there's not 12 Mm -hmm. grades. So that makes it a, that makes it really easy to begin with because you're going to combine some kids no matter what. So she had a little bit more forms than I do it, but I do it in three grade chunks. So grades one through three are together, four through six are together, seven through ninth are together, 10 through 12th. So that already makes mm-hmm. it, you're going to be able to combine some kids right there. Yeah. Uh, but even then there was a time where I had three different forms I was doing. I had kids in form one, I had kids in form two, and I had kids in high school, form four, you know, all five of them at one time and doing all that. So it makes it easier, but you still are having, you know, several different books and those kind of things. So morning time really helps with that because it's something that you can do all together with all the kids in different ages. Like Charlotte Mason said, we're providing the feast and each small guest is going to assimilate what they need. And so obviously a high schooler is going to get a lot more out of a composition lesson, especially if they've been doing it for a long time. Oh, that, that piece reminds me of composer so-and-so that we learned two years ago mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a little, little kid is like, I when the drums come in at the end and you know i mean they're getting something totally different but you're still providing the same piece so morning time really helps with that so i kind of saw our days as like bookends where we have our morning time that we're doing together and again mm-hmm. you have to be flexible so as you know i have high schoolers and they're working t- at chick-fil-a till midnight you know i don't make them get up at eight o'clock in the morning to come join us for morning time like they can right. come hear some of these things as they wish as you know i let the kind of reins go a little bit as they got older but then we ended our day together too. So we would have like some kind of read aloud at lunch or some tea time or something like that where we could just, so I kind of saw this like a bookend as long as I'm, we're all touching base together at the beginning and the end that works really well. Um, but then fostering this kind of independence where they don't need to be sitting there with me to do everything. Now I had some kids who were independent at second grade and I have another child who now at seventh grade is working independently. So it really just depends on the kid. And I think it's so important to realize that and not go, oh, well, now that they're reading, they should be doing all the work by themselves. And here's your list for the day and go off and come back to me. And then in four hours, they did absolutely nothing because they weren't ready. So it's a gradual releasing of that independence. But that really helps because then, you know, your older kids can be reading something on their own and you can be working with the kid that you might have that's still learning how to read and they need your undivided attention. The other key that I think Charlotte Mason really helps with multiple ages is the concept of short lessons. So they're not doing a 45 minute grammar lesson or a 50 minute history lesson. So they might be reading by themselves for a shorter period of time. Our reading lesson is only going to take 10 to 15 minutes. So I'm not spending hours working with this one child where everybody else is off doing who knows what, right? So in 15 minutes, I'm doing a reading lesson. I need this child's undivided attention people have enough to do for 15 minutes on their own. And then I can check back in with everybody. I'm not kind of leaving them for long periods of time, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I think that is the key. And that is hard for people to envision. How do you manage when your kids get older and maybe they're not as interested in morning time anymore? We have a learner in our house where it's, it's kind of optional right now, Mm -hmm. but I still have special time with him and Quite frankly, there's such an age gap that even his assigned reading is a little is a little bit different. If you're enjoying the show and don't want to miss out on future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button and show us some love with your reviews. Those five-star reviews really do help us reach more people. But I want to talk about 
Charlotte Mason homeschooling in the high school years a little yeah. bit because yeah. I don't know why it's one of the criticisms for Charlotte Mason homeschooling. And I'm thinking these are the optimal years to be discussing big ideas. Mm -hmm. So let me, what, will you share with our yeah. audience what it looks like to homeschool high school in the Charlotte Mason style and why I'm sure you believe that actually adequately prepares kids better. And I would love to hear yeah. you speak on that. Yeah. I, so I think that kind of misconception comes from a couple of places. So during her time, boys would have gone to university pretty early on, like 12 to 14. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. her programs that were written up through age 18 would have just been for girls in the early 1900s. So we can kind of get the misconception from that. But if you look at what she had for the upper forms for high school, it's harder than my highest level of college classes. Like it's mind blowing the amount of yeah. work and the things that they were reading. I'm like, what is this? You know? And then you can read samples in her volumes of students work. She had forms five and six being like our equivalent of like 10th through 12th grade. And you know, you read samples of these girls essays and you're just blown away. And so it, it's very, very thorough. So I think it comes from that misconception. I think the reason a lot of people abandon this approach as they get towards high school is fear. So it's mm -hmm. what can I use to check off all the boxes? And here's your textbook and here's your workbook and I can check it. And I see that you've got nine out of 10, right? So I know that you're really learning this. And so I feel better and I know we can put this on a transcript. And so it's all this mm -hmm. fear too that drives it a lot. Mm -hmm. And really, it's so easy to do it in high school. I mean, obviously it depends on where you live and all this stuff, but like, I just looked at the colleges that they wanted to go to and I made our transcript. The things that we were doing fit into those categories and gave them a credit for whatever. So it was very easy to do. I think it's so powerful, like you were saying, to have this approach in high school. And I'll send you links because I have two one hour classes I did all about using the Charlotte Mason method in high school because it's so in depth. Wonderful. But yes, we'll just, just to touch on it here, because like you said, they're reading very complex books and they are putting them into their own words through narration. Mm -hmm. At this age, they're doing a lot of it written. Or, mm -hmm. you know, in high school, I let my kids use their devices and they would record a video of themselves giving me an oral narration and text it to me. I mean, that's the world we live mm -hmm. in, people. <laughs> Learning to communicate complex ideas. And so my girls, when they were in college, well, first of all, they were like, mom, I can't believe you made us read all that hard stuff because the stuff we have to read in college is so much easier than, you know, Les Mis or the Winston Her Churchill's history volumes or whatever it was. They're like, this is so much. Our English 101 textbook has Google articles. I'm not even joking. And so I was like, well, see, why you're so prepared? Aren't you so grateful? And then my one daughter was like, I was like, asking her about one class. And she's like, oh, mom, it's so easy. I was like, really? She's like, yeah, every week, all we have to do is read and write a summary about it. And I was like, that's easy. She's like, yeah, this is what I've done my whole life. And I was like, oh, okay, perfect. So um, it prepares them because they're able to think through really complex ideas and be able to communicate with that with other people. And I get this question all the time in my talks. So now I include it because when I first mm -hmm. started giving talks on Charlotte Mason, people come up to me afterwards. I'm like, this sounds really nice and everything, but you know, is this actually really going to work? Like, is my child actually going to be able to get into college and get a real job and all that. Mm -hmm. And I la I would always ask like, oh, well, how old is your child? And they're like four. Let's back up a little bit here. Like this has been around for hundreds of years, not hundreds yes. of years, but over a hundred years, it's been used in hundreds of schools, families, et cetera. 
And so, yes, if this was something that was not working, it would not still be around. But then I started digging a little deeper because I was like, you know, how do I answer this question? And so Google came out with a study of their top employees. You can Google it. It's called Project <laughs> Oxygen. And what they did was they were looking for what skills their top employees have. And they went into the study expecting that their top employees would have STEM skills as their highest skills, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. What they found was their top employees scored the highest on what we consider soft skills. And the skills, the top eight skills were some like empathy, being able to think through complex ideas, being able to communicate well with others. And all the things that they were talking about, my mind was blown because I was like, this is what a Charlotte Mason education does, because it's not telling you what to think. It's teaching children how to think. And so they're able to think through complex ideas. They're able to communicate well with other people because that's what they've been doing their whole life by narrating and telling you back what something's about rather than checking mm -hmm. off a bunch of worksheet pages. They're able to have empathy because they're reading living books and they're putting themselves in the shoes of all these different historical characters and all these different scientists and things. So they can think what it's like to look at the world through a different lens. And it was like, this is what a Charlotte Mason education does. So, you know, will this prepare them for the real world? I think even more so than a traditional education because they're learning how to think for themselves. Again, that work of self-education, it's building that mental muscle to develop those skills of being able to learn and think through complex ideas on your own. That's fantastic. And I think a lot of it is fear-based. And I think you actually, in that, answered my next question, which is, what would you say to people who feel that Charlotte Mason is out of touch? Drove the point home that she's not out of touch. You know, it's interesting that you said that because one of my son's Latin teachers was homeschooled herself and she mm -hmm. went to Stanford. And I remember talking to her last year and she was telling me how easy Stanford was. Mm -hmm. She got there, everyone was struggling. They couldn't figure out how to plan out their day, plan out their semester. They were thrown by the idea of a professor assigning reading and then them having any type of responsibility for it after. I mean, this sounds crazy yeah. that you're at Stanford. <laughs> But no, yeah. she said that they were thrown by simply having to teach themselves through reading. Yeah, they were thrown that. by that. Yeah, and they want someone to tell them what to think. Exactly. And tell them what to do so that yeah. they can get the grade that they need so they can get the job that they want later. <laughs> but actually, what do we really want for our kids, mm. right? Is, is education utilitarian? What is it? I mean, that's the big question I ask in my book, Homeschool Rising, in the very first chapter. I asked myself that question over a decade ago, and it led us to sell our business, move states, homeschool our kids, me get on social media. I mean, it led, it completely changed our lives when I asked myself that one simple question, what is an education? Because if a parent really asks themselves that, the answer is frightening. Because they will, if they are thoughtful people, they will realize that it's more about cultivating a human being that is thriving and resilient and yes, has hard skills, but the soft skills are probably more important than the hard. Because, and I think what Charlotte Mason does so well is the skills you learn in a Charlotte Mason education are the ones that are transferable. Yes, right. It doesn't matter what you do. Being able to do those things is so important. I'm going to read to you one of 
my all-time favorite Charlotte Mason quote, because I think it relates okay. to what you're saying so much. She wrote, the question is not how much does the youth know when he has finished his education, but how much does he care? And about mm -hmm. how many orders of things does he care? In fact, how large is the room in which he finds his feet set? And therefore, how full is the life he has before him? And Charlotte Mason asked that question, what is knowledge? And mm -hmm. she all those volumes that's the big question right and her conclusion is exactly what you're saying she actually used that word it's not utilitarian it's not a factory system we put in a we get out x and you know at the time she was writing i mean the industrial revolution was very much in full force right and it's okay we're just training employees and she's like no no no, no. we are raising people who are going mm -hmm. to have a full life. I love the word she used. She says magnanimous. Mm -hmm. We are raising men, magnanimous citizens. And that's someone who has a large scope of life. They're people who are mm -hmm. generous, who care about lots of different things, who care deeply about other people. Because like I said, they were able to have all these living ideas their whole lives and empathy because they're reading about all these different people and not just being told what to do, what to think. Here's the correct answer. They don't ever get to think about, oh, I wonder what it's like to be this person. And so they care about people and they care about knowledge mm -hmm. and exactly what you were saying. Before we continue, I want to share with you a program that has been a game changer for our homeschool. At our learning center, we instructed and taught pretty much every math program out there on the market. So we know firsthand how important a solid math foundation is for our kids' futures. Finding the right homeschool math program that didn't compromise academic excellence, but also one that didn't put me and my kids through the ringer was a challenge. Till one day I tried CTC math. You guys, the rest was history. First off, it's a mastery-based program, which means your kid gets a solid grasp of the material. It's also loaded with mixed reviews, ensuring kids never forget what they've learned. And the questions are adaptive, which keeps students confident and progressing at their own pace. But the best part, all the teaching and grading done for you. With CTC Math, there is no compromise on excellence. Your child gets a top-notch education and you just made your homeschool life easier. Visit CTC Math for your free trial today. I want you to speak a little bit on how she honors children. I think that we are, it's a good thing about some of the movements in parenting today. Yeah. I think it's one of the assets of the gentle parenting movement, whether you consider yourself in that arena or not. One thing I love about that particular movement is that children are listened to, they are mm -hmm. honored. Parents are trained to look for, okay, what does my child need right now? And that is rather new. Uh, our parents did not right. raise us that way. And our parents were certainly not raised that way themselves. And I feel like this is a such an important idea, particularly if you want adult kids that still call you and text you and want to hang out with you and you have adult children. And I would love yeah. to just hit play on you right now <laughs> to express what she said about honoring children and then how you've seen the fruit of that in your own life with homeschooling your own kids. Yeah. So her first principle, she has 20 principles of education. And the first principle is children are born persons. And that sounds very simplistic, right? Cause obviously they're not born like dogs or something. But what she means by that is they are born with fully equipped brains, souls, bodies that we are helping to guide and direct and encourage as they grow 
but they are born full people. And the time she was writing, that was so revolutionary to start off with that principle because in the Victorian time period, you know, children are better seen and not hurt. That, you know, someday when they grow, right, and they're capable of having adult conversations, we'll bring them to the dinner table. I mean, it's so revolutionary to say that children are born persons. And so she mm -hmm. believed that children were able to understand and comprehend way more than we give them credit for. So for example, mm -hmm. she had them listening to, not reading because they wouldn't have been able to read this, but listening to Pilgrim's Progress at the mm. age of eight. And I barely made it through Pilgrim's Progress in college. And so, <laughs> but she believed because, and it's true because I've done this with my own kids. We started reading Pilgrim's Progress when my kids were eight and we read like one page and I'd be like, did anybody understand what happened? I mean, the unabridged version, like, did anyone understand what happened? And we're like, not really. And we would keep going. And then my kids started being able to like pick up all these things. And I think it's about this. And I was like, oh, I think you're actually right. Like, it was huge for me what they were able to actually stand mm -hmm. that we don't give them credit for. Another way that she respects children as a person is through narration. Because what happens is, mm -hmm. again, it's not, I am the fountainhead of all knowledge. I am the grown up and I know everything about XYZ. So now I'm going to impart all my wisdom to you. Instead, mm -hmm. let me bring you to this feast. You can listen to this story, for example. And then you tell me what you thought was important. And we sit and we listen to our kids and we respect their opinions. And that is huge because you know what that does? That builds their confidence that I can learn for myself. What I have to say is important. I can articulate my ideas. And we are giving them that gift multiple times a day. And I don't think parents, even those in the Charlotte Mason world, realize what a gift this is. Like mm -hmm. that your children feel seen and heard on a regular basis. And like Charlotte Mason said, we're not going to jump in and correct their narrations and be like, oh, no, 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 that's not right. You're going to listen. And then afterwards, if you want to guide them to something, you know, you can or add some more things or whatever. But just listening to them express themselves all day long builds their confidence so much. And I've seen that with my own kids. And so, yeah, I mean, that was always my goal for homeschooling. It was like, I want this connection. I want this relationship. And I think it's important for parents to think through, like, what do I want my adult kids to be like? What do I want our relationship mm -hmm. to be like? And it's not just that they like got this degree and got this job and they move out of my house because you know what? <laughs> my oldest daughter did graduate from college and she's back in my house and she works for my company. <laughs> And it's awesome. I love it. I love waking yeah. up in the morning and getting coffee with her. And like this morning, the Spotify wrapped playlist came out of like your top artist of the year. And we just sat and chatted and had coffee for like an hour. And we're laughing about different musicians and stuff. That's what I want. So it's right. not the goal to get them out. Like, actually, this is really great. And so, but it's that connection piece and that confidence mm -hmm. piece that I think is so key. And I think the other part of this that it always annoyed me in education. And I bet you this annoyed you as well when you were a teacher. And it's that we're always asking kids their opinions, but the opinions are based on zero knowledge at all. Like, like really you're seven and you know nothing about world events. I don't really, what do you actually No, I mean, this is edgy, but what do you actually have to offer if I haven't given you anything to base your opinion on? Yes. And so I also think there's a humility to that because when you're exposing your kids to these abstract, big ideas, they realize 
there are maybe people out there that have thought about this longer than them, <laughs> more than the two seconds. But but no, and yeah, we value their opinion, but also learning that we can form our opinions and our beliefs based on knowledge that we gather and that mm -hmm. there's a purpose for gathering this knowledge and then we can form our opinions. But often in the education space, you just, anyway, there's this trend of asking kids just, you know, writing an essay on your thoughts on this. It's like, I don't have any thoughts. Why? on this. And, and yeah. I think that's the key. To, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not saying, you know, they're necessarily telling, especially when they're little and they're narrating, it's not opinion based. It's exact what happened in the story. So if my kid, you know, adds in whatever, it's like, well, did that actually happen yes. in the thing, you know? So they're narrating based on something that they're describing that actually happened in the yes. story. Yes. As they get older, then they start, as they start narrating, they'll naturally start adding in some opinions or, oh, that mm -hmm. reminds me of this other book, or that reminds me of the character and such and such. They start making those connections all on their own. It's not a forcing. And I know when you taught school, right. we probably, you probably did the same thing as me, where we had to like make them make connections and they couldn't make the yeah. connections because they didn't actually no. have any ideas to connect it to. Yes. Yeah, there, you said it better than I did. Yeah, you need to have ideas to connect to even have something worth someone else listening to. Right, and if all I read is a textbook with some bare facts in it, I don't have yeah. anything to connect that to. That that yeah. person, that wasn't even a person. I just like, I read some fact about, you know, William the Conqueror did blah, blah, blah. And I don't know who William the Conqueror is or what, you know, but if I read a story and I learned about how they like, buried him, put him in a coffin, but he was so fat and all this like <laughs> gases in his stomach made the coffin explode. And that's like the coolest story ever. And I remember that now, like now I have something to connect it to about William the Conqueror, yes. right? It's a real person, a real event. Right. Sorry, yeah. that and I randomly popped in my head. I know that's the I most love... random history fact ever, but. <laughs> but I think what's so important is listeners right now, think back to what you remember in your education mm -hmm. when you were little and growing up, I can guarantee that your, what you remember about your education is connected to an emotion, either sadness, surprise, or something else. That is why humans remember things. It's when we have, that's why story is so powerful. That's why living books are, in my opinion, the best way to teach history. Because why teach history if it's just facts? I'm going to teach history because I want to be changed and I want my kids to be changed. Otherwise, why study it? It's not yes. worth it. No. And I yeah. think that's so key for it. And I love that she does that for every subject. Like, um, yes. I think that's about, about high school too. So one of the books I use in high school chemistry is a book called Napoleon's Buttons. And it goes through the chemical compounds and um, chemical reactions found in all the parts of his uniform. Right like the rubber that was just come, being invented and how that was used and the buttons and the silver also. Wow. And so I just want, went and saw the Napoleon movie. It's not for children. It's for adults. But I just went and saw that over Thanksgiving. And the whole time my brain is running through, oh, he's wearing this. And I, that reminds me of this. And like, I actually understood mm -hmm. chemistry for the first time other than just a bunch of random Mm -hmm. formulas that I had to memorize that didn't mean anything at all. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, that's what causes that to happen. Oh, that makes sense. Like I actually understood it because it was taught in a living mm -hmm. way. Absolutely. I've, I've been wanting to see that movie. I'm yeah. yeah really but good. I saw the director. I forget. Is it Scorsese or Riley Scott? Yeah. Ridley yes. Scott. And it's Ridley like, Scott. okay, it's going to be violent, but it I, is. that's fine. Yeah, there, was you know, it's history. Of, there were lots of scenes where I went like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So I want to ask you, you know, we all in the homeschool space, we all are passionate about what we're doing. I'm passionate about Thrive Homeschool Community and helping moms just, you know, tame this very complicated process of homeschooling kids. I want to hear why you started a gentle feast. What did you see in your space that was a problem and what problem does a gentle feast solve? So when I first started homeschooling, I wanted to give my kids a Charlotte Mason style of education. I had read the book For the Children's Sake by Susan Schaefer Macaulay, which everyone mm-hmm. should read. And yes. I was like, and I was actually teaching public school at the time. And I read it and I actually wept as I was reading it because it, that was the kind mm-hmm. of education I wanted to give my public school students. But I knew I couldn't in the constraints of mm-hmm. what we were allowed to teach and what we weren't allowed to teach. And that's actually the what made me quit teaching and want to homeschool my own kids. And, um, but there was nothing, like I said, there was literally a Yahoo group and like nothing (laughs) or reading Charlotte Mason's volumes. And I didn't know how to actually implement it in my home. The book for the children's sake is very inspiring. And she does give a lot about the philosophy, really breaks it down in really easy to understand ways, but there was no, like, what do you do on Monday morning? was in there. And so I was just very clueless and I was always trying to put things together and I felt like I was just running in circles. And so I, I very easily went back to like what I knew from public school teaching. I was like, okay, this is safe. This is, this works. But after several years of homeschooling, I, in spending way too many hours on Pinterest, trying to find things and printing them out at midnight, I realized that something had to give, or I was never going to be able to sustain this. I was so burnt out and discouraged and just wanted to throw in the mm-hmm. towel. And so I was like, I really have to dive into what Charlotte Mason said. And that's when I started reading her volumes for myself and started, you know, talking to people and working through things and kind of develop my own thing that I was doing in my home. And I remember I actually had a friend who came over one day and, you know, I'm showing her what I'm doing and stuff. And she's like, this is incredible. She's like, you need to sell this. And I was like, nobody would buy this. Everybody can do this. And she goes, yeah, if they want to spend like a hundred hours and (laughs) whatever, finding all this stuff. And, you know, the internet was much better then, but you know, she's like, not everybody wants to spend all the time doing this and you put it together. And so for me, it was a passion project of, yes, this is what I've been doing in my home, but also what would I have wanted back then when I was first starting? I didn't Mm -hmm. want to just buy a book at a homeschool convention and go home and on Monday morning, open it up and be like, I actually have no clue how to use this. It's going to sit on a shelf and collect dust. Um, Mm -hmm. I really wanted someone to like, hold my hand and be like, okay, here's how you actually do this. Come Monday Mm -hmm. morning. Let's schedule things this way. Oh, you're discouraged about this. Okay. Here's some answers for you. And so I really created it as not just another curriculum that you could buy, but really as like a whole comprehensive program to really help parents understand the philosophy. Cause if you don't understand it, you could have the best Charlotte Mason ish curriculum in the world and hate it. So let's have the underpinnings of really understanding the why, and then I can give you the how. Yes. And that is where fear will be crushed because it can make parents feel uneasy. Like, oh, there's a chemistry requirement. I got to write for the high school transcript. But when you actually realize why you are doing this a different way, and you're saying no to the conventional system, and that your kids can still get to where they want to go with this style of education is extremely powerful, but getting past that fear, I think is, is super important. I love that you get at that. Why I also personally find your, the, the way you have structured the curriculum to be very user-friendly. That was my goal. And I'm glad you spoke about, you know, 
the fear too. A lot of people say homeschooling is easy and I just flat out disagree. I think at times homeschool can feel really hard and part of it is the weight of the responsibility to not mess up our kids. We are often riddled with self-doubt, second guessing, and feeling overwhelmed with excessive amounts of information out there and all of the options. And at the same time, we love our kids. We don't want to mess this up. So how do we build a homeschool that our kids will thank us for later on down the years when they are adults? Well, the first step is joining Thrive Homeschool Community, where you find the eight-step homeschool success framework. This helps you build an undeniably successful homeschool that gives your kids what they need now, that also prepares them for their future, and helps you in the day-to-day as well. Each year and each kid presents us with uncharted territory. But with the right plan, you can rest in the security and confidence that you are doing a great job. The path is easy. Join Thrive, say a quick hello to all your new friends, start right away the eight-step homeschool success framework, and kiss anxiety goodbye. It's risk-free, no contracts. You can cancel anytime, no questions asked. You know, as a life coach, that's something else I really work with homeschool moms on. So it's not, you know, I have a general feast, but I also provide courses where I bring moms into little small Mm. groups and I coach them through some of this mindset stuff as well Mm. to kind of give them the confidence to go, oh no, I can actually make this decision. I can actually try this. I can take risks. It's okay. Yes. I can make mistakes. You know, we, we hold ourselves to such a high standard and we can, there's actually quite a a large margin, I think, right (laughs) before kids ruined their life. (laughs) I want to hear just on a personal level. I like asking everybody this. What is one thing just in your own life right now, you are a working homeschool mom. What's one thing that you personally are working on in terms of self-growth? Well, I'm always self-growing. That has been like, I mean, even in high school, like the books that I would buy to read were always like um, personal growth books. I've always been super fascinated with this topic. And so, you know, I'm always being coached myself on a variety of different mm-hmm. things. And I always mm-hmm. have a stack of like books that I'm working through and they're not just like education books or like fiction. Like they're really like, okay, I wanna improve this area of my life. I'm super big into goal setting. So mm-hmm. I'm actually working on a goal setting course. I've taught this three-step process of how to write goals for the past 10 years. And so I'm working on getting that going for the end of the year because I've just seen how important it is to set an intention, to set a goal, and then how to make that actually happen in your life has been so key. And so I've I've accomplished so many different goals. It is so funny to ask me that because I was just thinking about that this morning. I was like, what would be my next goal? Because I've I've, I've accomplished this and I've done that and I've done that and I've done that. And I'm always like learning new things and trying new things. And so, and as we get older, so I just turned 47. And one of the things that happen as we get older, you know, our brains can start to go. And one of the ways that we can keep that neuroplasticity happening is by building new synapses, by doing new things. And so it's Mm -hmm. not just like I do crossword puzzles or, you know, those kind of things to keep our minds active. Like we actually have to be trying something we've never learned before. So I always Mm -hmm. set a goal every year to try something I've never learned before. Now, a couple years ago, I tried guitar. It was actually way harder than I thought it was. I thought I could just pick it up and be like Taylor Swift or something, but that was not the case. And so it was very, actually very frustrating. So I tried it for a couple months and I was like, oh, I don't want to keep doing this. And, and that's, that's okay. okay. That's the key. We don't allow ourselves to play because little kids do that, right? 
they'll try some hobby. They don't like it. They'll play with this yeah. toy. They don't like it. They, you know, and that's part of what helps them grow and develop when they're little. And we don't realize as adults, we still need to be doing that. So I recently started playing pickleball. Do you love it? <laughs> it's so much fun, but I am so bad. I'm so like my hand-eye coordination has always been bad. And so, yes, I am taking lessons to my goal is to actually be able to hit the ball. I love that. You know, right before, because, you know, my story is I accidentally like hit it on TikTok. I wasn't even yeah. planning that. But my, you know what I was consumed with before that? And I actually put it down because I realized that I had like this heaven's open epiphany, like, Christy, this is what you are now doing for the rest of your life. It was like one of those moments from God. I'm like, all right, well, what I had to put down and I really want to pick it up in the new year is I was learning how to knit. Oh, that's cool. And that was really yeah. one thing I struggle with is staying in the moment. I am such mm -hmm. a planner and I love going a million miles an yep. hour and I love living on the edge of the wave. But it was forcing me to be in the moment. Mm. That monotony was it was really healthy for me. It and is. so it's in the new healthy. year, yeah. my girls are now learning to knit. My mom is teaching them. Oh, and in our morning time, yeah. in our morning time, we knit two rows. Cool. And that's kind of how we start. We light our candle. We knit two rows before we dive into our beauty subjects. And uh, so in the new year, I'm going to be picking up my knitting again. And I'm really that. excited about that. I love that. So I you encourage everybody who's listening, pick something that you want to learn this year and make that your goal. Yeah, I love that. And we'll put all of these links for how to find your life coaching, okay. those courses that you mentioned. We'll put yeah. in for the children's sake book in there too. Everything that we've mentioned, we will have in the show notes. And you already answered my next question, which is what projects do you have going on? <laughs> I'm really, the goal setting course, can I be in yeah. it? Of course, yes. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, it'll be an excuse to spend more time with you. Yes, this episode was action packed and I'm sure parents are going to be hitting your webpage and wanting to know all the things about what you offer and even looking at your curriculum, which I really hope they do because I know it's been a gift in our morning time specifically. Please let us know where can our audience find you? So I have two sites right now. A Gentle Feast is the curriculum that you were talking about. And then the feastlife.me is my podcast and my courses in the coaching program. Awesome. And we will put yeah. both of those in the show notes. I want to ask you the juicy question. Okay. What's the juicy what, question? What? Yeah, I know. What in the Charlotte Mason world can you not get behind? So that was, that was, no, that was a great question. I loved it actually, because I feel like uh, there has been some things that I've been very frustrated with, with the Charlotte Mason world. And one of them being that this is the box that you must fit into in order to provide your family a Charlotte Mason education. And if you're not doing X, Y, Z, and if you're not doing it this way or the way that, you know, Charlotte Mason wrote about it on page 47 of blah, 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 and you shouldn't be yeah. doing it that way, then you're not giving your children a Charlotte Mason education. And I've seen so many people who have given up on this philosophy. I talked yeah. to them at the homeschool conventions because they felt so much pressure under the weight of having to do it all right. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, you know what? I'm gonna get up on my desk right now, girl, because that is like my soapbox, because that is so not what Charlotte Mason would have wanted. And yeah. this philosophy is so empowering for moms. It's so freeing, it's so revolutionary, but then there are just, certain teachings where it's like, nope, you got that check off this box and this box and this box and this box and this box, or you're not doing it right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What's, 
that's the heart of it. Well, Charlotte Mason said that we have to be outside for four hours every day and we have to have an object <laughs> lesson about something in nature. And should we use colored pencils or watercolors in our nature notebooks? And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, no, no. What's the heart of it? Charlotte Mason wants your kids to be outside observing the beautiful creation and making connections among complex ideas by being outside. And here's all the things they can learn by playing outside and being blah, 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 blah. That's what's important. So you don't have to do it this X, Y, Z in all these different ways in order for it to be right. Can you just go on a nature hike once a month and let your mm -hmm. kids explore and talk about it as a family? Yes. In my opinion, yes, right? And it's not like, well, Charlotte Mason taught Plutarch starting at grade, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And if you don't do Plutarch, then you're not doing it right. And I'm like, no, I think, what's the heart of it? She wants your kids to be yeah. learning about historical people and being able to think through, here are some things that person did that were really good. Here's some things they did that were not really great. Can people be both and, and start having complex discussions about that? That's more important than what Plutarch volume you're reading and what age you started at and blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. I'll stop because I could go on about this for hours, girl. Well, and I love it. And you're talking and, and I was like, oh crap, I haven't done Plutarch yet. <laughs> it's okay. I know. I mean, Plutarch I'm serious because we read, we read modern books about different yes. historical and like diverse people that Charlotte Mason didn't have access to. And we talk about those people instead. Right. And I think that's what matters. Right, right. And you don't, you know, your kids don't need to be the Von Trapps doing this. Yeah. You know, they, you don't need to. Yes. You can. You yes. can. If yes. you want to, you can. That's not going to be how I do it, though. No. So, you know, we, yes, music appreciation. Yes. Uh, learning to fall in love with music that is written in such a way that elevates our minds and our hearts. Absolutely. But there are certain things that you don't have to do if you don't want to do them, if they're not resonating with you, yep. that is perfectly okay. I would love for you to end on that quote that you wanted to. Yes. Yeah, so this comes from the Times article that was written in memoriam after Charlotte Mason passed away. And it says, others will write of Miss Mason's work from the point of view of the trained teacher. But how much greater is the debt of a mother who without any training at all could teach her children through the method that Miss Mason had worked out. It was she who made the impossible possible, who showed us term by term what books to use and how to use them, who taught us how to take the children straight to the fountainhead and let them learn from the books themselves. It was she who realized what home education might become, who changed the whole atmosphere of the homeschool room, who inspired us for our work and gave us the power to carry it out a pioneer who blazed the trail that many of us followed with keen enjoyment and grateful hearts. Thank you so much yes, for joining for me. us today. I can't wait to share this with all of my mamas.